One of the key things to understand about mid-market businesses is that as they grow, they acquire more people, they turn over more money, they have more inquiries, more emails, more problems, more complexity. And it's great to understand how you can manage that as a business owner without feeling like you're just completely overwhelmed and not keeping up with anything and building up a whole stack of stress and anxiety and grief around the process of managing your day-to-day. Hi, I'm Craig West, and on this episode of Mid-Market Matters, we're joined by Daniel Murray from Empathic Consulting, and we're going to find out how do we get rid of busy. Daniel, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Craig. So that's a really interesting title, Get Rid of Busy. How does that work exactly? The challenge I find a lot of uh, leaders, business owners, uh, most people I run into these days have is uh, the their first response to how are you going is, oh, I'm really busy. I've got tons of things on. I'm flat out. And what I've noticed from that is that most of the people who are really busy carry a level of anxiety and stress with that. Uh, it's not a state they want to be in. They feel a bit uncomfortable and a bit uh, out of sorts and they just wish they could be a bit less busy. And um, I find a lot of those leaders are really struggling to, to work out how to do that. To get rid of busy, literally. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell us a bit, little bit about your background. What, how did you get into doing this sort of work? Yeah, look, I, I'd spent a long time in corporate, uh, large corporates. Uh, I also spent a bit of that time really struggling with, um, uh, with, with a workload, work-life balance, um, with relationships, all sorts of different things because I'd put a lot of stress and pressure into my life. Um, I then stepped away from that and and have started really doing that work on how can we find a better way of developing high performance. This is not about dropping the ball in terms of results. This is about how do we get uh, high performance without killing ourselves and, and pushing ourselves the over process. the edge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and look, a lot of what we do in our busyness is highly unproductive, which is why we need to do more to try and make up for any uh, performance gap. So by definition, mid-market business owners of, you know, we're turning over multi-million dollars, we've got 20, 30, 50, 100 people working with us, reporting to us, relying on us, etc. That sounds really busy to me to start with. So why are we so busy and what do we do about that? Yeah, well, there's, there's three main drivers of why we're so busy today. One is uh, what I'd call system complexity. So we now work and uh, work in businesses that have far more moving parts than ever existed in human history. Yep. Um, they are part of ecosystems that are far more complex than ever before. There's a huge amount of variety. There's, you know, remember when milk used to be just milk and now <laughs> there's 37 varieties of milk? Um, that, that level of complexity doesn't seem like it causes a lot of issues, but actually it increases the amount of stuff in our business. The second issue we've got is that we're always connected. So we're constantly on the phone. Everyone can reach everyone else. There was a time when you had to write someone a letter and then someone had to hand deliver that. Well, that now happens instantaneously Mm. via email. So this constant connection, not only when you're at the office but over the weekend, at at night, night, two in the morning, wherever it is, you're always connected. Um, And I think the third thing that's really driving busyness is this competition for our attention. Um, if you log on to any uh, website now, 
there's not just that website. There's also a whole bunch of ads targeted, trying to capture your eye, trying to get you to look at things. Uh, I was looking through a list of something, uh, of, of events the other day, and in the middle of it was an ad for, for cycling shoes that just looked like everything else in the list. And it only <laughs> caught my attention because I'd been looking at cycling shoes and next yeah. minute, you know, these there things are bombarding us. So we've got this constant competition for our attention, which is also making it more challenging to, to not be busy. Obviously, we are busy and you've just outlined exactly why. How do we start to get away from that? What, how do we start to change that? What do we do? A big part of it is stop being a passive um, you know, victim of the busyness and start actually being a leader and getting in the front foot. So it doesn't matter where you are in the business, everyone has the role to take that leadership responsibility for themselves and their team and, and therefore the, the business as a whole. Um, and a lot of it is, a lot of things I work on with leaders and leadership teams is how do we get that control back? How do we see that complexity for what it is and then harness different ways of dealing with that complexity? Uh, you know, how, do we, how do we disconnect when we need to? How do we find the space to do the deep work and the hard work that needs to get done sometimes? And, and I think that the main thing around this attention is actually being, we, too many of us are victims to marketers where we, we, we become the slaves of the, you know, the finger swiping slaves of, of social media rather than actually taking control of that and being more intentional with our time. Okay, so strategies or tips around how to do that? Because it sounds good. Let's be more intentional with our time and not finger swiping on social media, but we all, do, I mean, I know I do it. Yep. So what are some tips and strategies we can put into place to start to change that? Yeah, look, one really simple tip uh, is just to schedule your time more. Um, I've worked with a few people and what they'll do is sit down on a Sunday night and they'll look at um, their week coming up. And what they'll do is they'll reflect on that week based on what their higher level goals are. So right. what am I trying to achieve this month, this year? Um, and then what are the things that are in my calendar this week that are serving that and which ones aren't? So they start to categorise their week and say, well, this stuff's important, this stuff's long-term um, crucial, this stuff's uh, not so important. I can probably move some of this this work out of the way. And then when they get really clear on that, and I've seen a couple of people use really clever uh, colour codes, yep. but it's whatever works for the individual, right? Uh once they get clear on that, then they know what to cancel or what to move around. So getting really clear and um, uh, taking control of your week is really important. Uh, the other thing in, in, when it comes to social media, um, if it works for you, schedule your time. If it works for you, delete it off your phone or only have it on your desktop. You know, really think about is this tool, social media for example, is this tool serving me or am I serving it? Because I'll give you the tip, 99% of people who are on social media, they're serving their masters at Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram, et cetera. They are not being served by those platforms necessarily. Um, so flipping those things around are really important to deal with that, that sort of competition for attention. Yeah, it's interesting to think about, you know, who's serving who here. <laughs> you know, how much time do you spend on Facebook and LinkedIn for what benefit? Absolutely. But we see so much of it in the marketplace and, you know, we go to marketing webinar, seminar or whatever and the first thing they talk, get on social, be active, you know, get on LinkedIn, comment, like, share, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it's about a discipline to say, okay, I'm going to do that but I'm going to do it for 20 minutes a day at this time, not the whole day. Totally. It's on my phone. And look, I'm not a marketing expert, I'm not a LinkedIn expert but one thing I always ask people are, are you sure you're getting the results 
uh, is it a good investment? You know, I've, I've worked in banks and finance companies a lot. Uh, you're putting in a certain amount of effort. Are you getting the returns you need? Are you sure? How are you measuring that? How are you taking control? And again, it's about being in the driver's seat there and doing it with intention. I see a lot of people just, you know, and I'm sure I've been a victim of it myself. You're just spraying things on there. You're trying to be trying to be busy and show people that you're doing lots of stuff. But that's not really the, the thing we're working on here. It's how effective we're being with our time. Yeah, and I guess work-life balance, we're reading a lot about that, we're hearing a lot about it. There's, there's seminars and webinars running about helping employers get a better balance for their employees. Yeah. But that contradicts with, you know, getting our billable percentages up and our productivity <laughs> and our profit. And, you know, how do we balance that? That's a, that's a challenge for most business owners. It is. Um, I would suggest that there's, there's a couple of different ways, and this is a very personal thing. Some people are... Um, are deeply passionate about what they do and they like being in the work. And if they're being very effective and they love being in the work, then maybe they, that's their path and, and um, you know, I'm more than happy to support people in, who do that. Where I think we, we struggle is where we're doing lots of work and we don't enjoy it. We're not getting that much out of it and we're not getting the results that we need. And so this is these are the areas where if I think we can just cut out those those little fatty pockets of um, we're not enjoying, we're not filling our soul, we're not filling our bank accounts. Okay, well, this is this is the busy work that I would uh, want to help us get rid of. My question is, well, how do we understand that work better and then and start to rectify it? So it might be, how do I get an expert? If I'm struggling away doing something, how do I get an expert to come in and help me do that? You know, most people won't try and sell their own house. Yep. Most people won't, you know... Um, try and change the electrical wiring, or well, they shouldn't try and change the electrical yeah. wiring in their houses. But in businesses, I see people go, oh, well, I'll get the market. I'll do the marketing myself because, you know, I know how to take a photo and write uh, a yeah. few words on it. But they, they don't have the discipline. They spend way more time than they should and getting that expertise in. And I think this is where, if I think about leaders who are progressing up through businesses, particularly founders and owners, at some point they need to know that they're not the expert of everything. Yep. And they've got to, get people who are the experts, trust them, empower them and, and really support them. That's where they can start to free up this time for work-life balance. Like I said, I, I think work, work-life work balance is tough. It's it's just life and you just got to set out what are the things you want out of life. So if, if what you want is some free time, is happiness, is doing stuff you love, then let's find the stuff that isn't that. Let's call that our busy work. Now let's work on getting rid of that stuff. And how we outsource it to experts, as you said. Outsource it to experts. You know, hire people who can do it, um, partner with people who can do it better than you can, work with that system, actually utilise this beautiful interconnected system we've got instead of being a victim of it. about from an employee perspective? I'm, you know, I've got people that report to me and I throw stuff. I know I do it. I throw stuff at them all day long. Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? How do we manage that pressure from a business owner's point of view? That's easy. Just start firing out emails <laughs> or sending <laughs> things on Teams. Do this, do this, do this. Yeah, let me take that from both angles because I think while from a business owner perspective, I'm sure this doesn't impact you in this way, Craig, but I'm, I'm sure from some business owners' uh, perspectives, they'll be uh, throwing things to people and those things aren't getting done to the level of quality or quantity or time that they expect. 
and they get disappointed and they sort of uh, feel animosity towards those people. And, of course, in the other direction, people who are just getting things thrown on them um, won't feel empowered, won't feel like they're doing a good job and they'll be equally depressed. No one's a winner here, yes, right? Lose, Everyone's lose. a victim. Yep. Absolutely. So the, the, the challenge is, as a leader, how do you take responsibility for that and say, if I am going to delegate, how do I do that effectively? How do I make sure that my people are set up for success? How do I have their back when they fail? Because yep. I've got to take, if I'm the leader, it's my role to, uh, to own those outcomes. So it's this process of building your team with a culture which is set up for success. So we're going to work hard together, but I'm going to support you all the way through. And I've seen this happen with a whole bunch of different people. I had a, a good friend of mine, um, her team would call her constantly oh, you know, asking questions, asking questions. I'd be out for lunch and she'd be just taking phone call after phone call and she'd say, oh, my people, they just keep calling and asking questions. And I said, well, that's because you keep giving them the answers. Right? You're not helping them by saying, well, how might you work this out? Or, you know, you make a call and I'll just back you. You don't have to call me three, three times to ask the question. Just you make a call and I'll back you. And building that culture, now you'll get that wrong sometimes, but is it worth getting it wrong a couple of times, fixing that up for the long-term benefit of not having to take the phone call? Not having constantly. to do it over and over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, building on that, what, what I find when you go deeper is um, lots of business leaders want to build, they want to build sort of really tight policy systems and rules to govern how work work, how the, their work gets done. The issue with that is that the work these days is so complex that you can't build enough rules, policies, systems to govern everything. At some point, humans are going to have to make some decisions. So your job as a leader is to say, this is how we make decisions here. You make it your decision based on your judgment and expertise, and if you get it wrong, I've got your back. Which is often the reverse. To, I see business owners all the time. Yes, make the decision, and then you go, why'd you do that? Why That's crazy. Right. I wouldn't have done it that way. Actually, now I'll need to build a policy yeah, and tell you exactly how to do it all. But it, it's just an impossible uh, yeah. cycle. So the best leaders uh, who are getting their time back are the ones that are empowering their people and dealing with the exceptions when things go wrong rather than dealing with every, every single, single interaction yeah. all the time. One of the challenges I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on is we're talking to business owners that are growing or have already grown and are probably still growing. And so it's more complicated. There's more people, there's more money, there's more decisions. You know, they've probably got 20 people reporting to them, not two. Um, in a small business, it's much more complicated. So uh, strategies around how you cope with that growth and how you, what you can put in place as that growth happens. Yeah, number one tip, build leaders. Once you, well, you've got a big enough scale you can't be the only leader in that business. You've yep. got to build other people. And some of them will need a title. Some of them won't. Yep. Some of them won't need much encouragement to step up. But you need to create that space for them and then support them and guide them through that. You know, if you think about someone like one of the heads of the banks at the moment, they're managing or they've got something between 30 and 45,000 staff reporting up to them. They don't know what's going on. We know through the Royal Commission they didn't know what was yeah, going clearly. on in most of the places. What they needed to do is focus on building their leadership team and the team below that needed to build their leadership teams and so on and so forth. If you can get that right from the early days, from the outset, as you're, getting, uh, you're growing your business, it sets you up for so much success in the long term. But what I see a lot of people do is they'll get hard workers working for them 
and then they'll get the person who, you know, is the best accountant becomes the head of the accountants. Yep. But they don't know how to lead people. And so they relieve with authority, they, they get really busy, they get really stressed, and that stress gets pushed up to the boss. Oh, we've got too much work to do, we need more people, we need more people. When really what we need is, is a leader, not a good accountant in that yep. role. <laughs> and this is what you talk about, shaping the culture for performance. Absolutely. Get the culture around leadership right and the performance comes. Absolutely. Um, it's so much business we focus on numbers Yep. We focus on stuff you can you can measure. If you can measure it, it's it's important. You know what gets measured gets managed. We yep. hear all these things all the time. Yep. And I had an argument with a CEO about this, and he said, "I only care about the stuff I can measure." And I said, "Well, do you love your wife? How do you measure that?" <laughs> and of course, it's important. Yep. But we don't measure it. And if you did measure it, if you put a number to it, would it tell you any of the yeah. details? Of course not. It'd be yep. useless, wouldn't it? So the issue here is that there's this whole other world that's going on in our businesses. It's a world of culture and values and people and emotion that all is very, very important but is very, very difficult to put into a spreadsheet. Someone can measure your culture and you'll get, oh, your culture's 83. Well, what does that mean? What does that yeah. mean? Yeah. And, it, and it, what it means to the people to work there is a different thing. And so leaders who can understand that world a little bit more spend more time in there, deal with issues of what do people care about, what do they understand, what do they value, rather than just because I didn't tap into any of this, I now have to deal with all the consequences of people not performing well and I've got to build, well, they're not performing well, I better set new KPIs. We'll do a whole round of building new KPIs. We'll get consultants in and we, we just spend all of this time and effort and busyness building a whole new system that still doesn't solve the underlying problem, which is as a leader, your job is to understand your people, connect with your people and motivate, support them. So this is where it's it sort of becomes a bit counterintuitive for some leaders, but you've got to stop worrying about the tools and the the tangible things and start worrying about the, the people who are in your business because that's where your success is going to lie. You're talking about, and I think you've used the phrase before, less expertise, more curiosity, Explain that in a bit more detail. You're not talking about a traditional spreadsheet manager, as you said. Well, that's right. Um, the reality is, you and I, when we were kids, we went to school and, and the, the smartest kid in the room got the most right answers. They got the most questions yep. right. And we sort of have this idea drilled into us from an early age that the smartest people get all the right answers. They know the right answers. They know stuff. Yep. The problem in a complex world is whether you know all the right answers or not can be pretty subjective. You know, I know a yep. lot of people who think they have all the right answers and if you go and ask a 15 or 16-year-old, they'll tell you they've already, they, <laughs> they know, know them everything. all. They've got Absolutely. them all, right? So what we know is that if someone thinks they've got all the right answers and you don't believe them, then you just find that that's just their arrogant opinion and, and I can be dismissive of it. So how this translates, what I see in business is leaders who think they have all the right answers and they think they've got to. And they'll make calls even when they don't know what the right answer is just because they think they have to make a call because there's this expectation they're the boss. That's what I'd call an expert leader. Now, again, if, if you work in a really simple, small industry or business and there's only so many decisions to make and they're pretty standard, that might work fine with you. My guess is you're not going to be in business much longer because the world doesn't work that way anymore. In a highly complex environment, the best leaders ask questions. 
they defer to experts and they, they try and understand how things are working at a high level so they can put big things together. They can join the dots. We always hear about this idea of, yeah. you know, join the dots. We've got to see the dots first. And the way curiously to see the dots is by asking lots of questions and seeking to understand. So, so many people put all this pressure on themselves to be the expert, to know everything. Oh, I better do research. I've got to do another degree. I've got to do this, got to do that. Maybe you don't. Maybe your objective as a leader is just to to be curious and connect people who do have all the answers, bring those people together and form your team and then help guide them forward. Fantastic. Before we wrap up, number one tip. We started with get rid of busy. What's your number one tip for mid-market growing business owner to get rid of busy? Turn off your emails. <laughs> literally turn them off. Uh, literally turn them off. So I would say if I, um, my observation of people working with leaders in this space is the biggest killer of their day is responding to emails that keep popping up. The notification pops up on the bottom of their screen. They can't help themselves. You know, it's the same on our phones. If you've ever been talking to someone and a phone rings, you both want them to answer the phone, you know, because it's it's <laughs> yep. taking your attention. Like it's it's an immediate grabber of attention. So in mid-market businesses, emails are a killer. They drive a lot of noise, uh, often irrelevant noise. Um, and the best tip I've seen here is people just turn them off. Uh, one guy I worked with, he said to his team, if you see see me on an email, I delete it, I don't read it. So either don't CC me or make it for me. I don't want to read your sidebar stuff, right? Yeah. Second thing, I only check my emails at 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. And one of his team said, well, what if we need you outside of that? He said, well, you'll call, won't you? If it's an emergency, you're not going to send me an email about it. You'll phone me or you'll walk over to my desk. Yeah. That's how we're going to do business from now on. And he said it's freed up so much of his time because it starts to teach his team that the way we communicate is not through email. Yep. We actually sit down with people, we have a conversation, we pick up the phone, um, and we we don't do it just to keep someone informed or, you know, tagging along. We do it with intention. So, and, uh, you know, if I was to say what's the number one thing, I reckon email is the place I'd start. Number one tip, turn off emails. I'm going to give that a crack. I'm going to try that and we'll see how we go. I'll let you know how we go. I'll send you an email and check. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. If I answer you, no, I haven't done it. Daniel, fantastic. Thanks for coming in. Really helpful. My pleasure. Thanks, Greg. And of course, if you want more tools and information to help you with what we've just talked about, head to the Midmarket Matters resources page at midmarketmatters.com.au. 